if you're looking for a direction for yourself to kind of like chase what excites you, like it's what you're passionate about. But I find that like the opportunities that I jumped at were like those that would keep me up at night in an excited way, not like in a stressful way. And I would take on opportunities in my previous firm outside of my projects just because I was interested in them. And then I started creating events at work or like joining committees that the work I did didn't tire me out. I was like looking forward to doing that kind of work. And then when this opportunity in Monograph came, I felt the same way. Like at the end of the day, I didn't mind doing more work on it. So I think that's a good way to find your own path. Don't look at other people because if you see what they're doing and then if you feel you have to do the same thing and it, it won't align with you and it'll just cause you stress. So chase what makes you happy. I think that's a pretty good life advice for 2022. Welcome to our Roundtable Chats, a fast-paced discussion series dedicated to opening up the conversation in the architecture and engineering industry. We want you to join in the conversation each week where we share what inspires us, what we want to improve in the industry, and how we can help each other get there. This is a new event, and we'll be joined weekly by members of the Monograph growth team here. Everyone on the roundtable today studied and practiced in the industry, so we're very aware of the pain points and stressors that come with working in the industry. We're encouraged from participation from the audience like yourself, so just raise your hand and we'll bring you on so you can share your own experiences and thoughts. With that, I'd like to thank my co-hosts here, Joanne and Sylvia from the Monograph team. And uh, I guess I'll kick it off with the question. So what was your understanding of architecture or being an architect when you were in school or just starting out? And how did that compare to your view on the profession now? Sylvia, we can kind of start with you. I think when I was in school, you don't really know exactly what you're getting yourself into, or at least I didn't. And my understanding was that like, there's all these famous designers out there that design beautiful buildings. And that's what I should do. Like our design projects in studio, right? Like there's always some kind of like interesting form making you're doing, you're answering a problem. Like it's just my own head in the game. And then when you start working out as an intern, you follow kind of the example of your principal or boss in the office. So it's always centered around just like one central person, usually like pulling a lot of weight or like having a lot of lead or direction in the project. But ever since coming to Monograph and just exploring all the different places that project management and designs happen and exist, now like my my understanding is that like any person can be impactful on a project. For example, when we had the webinar with Mancini Duffy, the CFO, Bolanle Williams-Ali, she was very instrumental in getting projects paid on time and just on track and make sure they were on budget because she was speaking to the clients regularly. So everybody on a project can help make that project successful. And I really see that in so many ways now. I also curious, Joanne, because I think you do other parts of like consulting with architects as well. So I think that's like another thing I want to talk about in this session that like other careers as well. Yeah, I think when I was in school, I remember the first semester when I joined architecture school, my professor, my studio professor was like, just so you know, you're not going to make any money (laughs) when you graduate. So if you want a lot of money, don't go into architecture. But I always just had this I think in school, you had this idea of all you do is just design work because there's no technical teaching really when you're in school. 
And then I got my first job. It was in a very tiny residential firm. And the first day of my job, my boss sent me down to the conference room and just bring out like a CD set and taught me how to dimension the drawings. And I remember thinking like, oh, this is not what I learned in school. But from that day, I was very aware that how important dimensioning was. And it just became like a thing for me where and that where when I go into like any job or any team, I'm always very aware of how people are dimensioning and teaching them how to dimension, right? But I think there's a big difference between being in school and being in a profession. But also, I think we talk a lot about this is that we don't really get training on practice like business or operations side of architecture which led to a lot of not just that you don't make any money as a firm owner but also just led to like operationally there's so much inefficiency in architecture because in school we're so focused on spending every hour of the time making iterations making design and that's like it's like you wear that as a batch of honor where you just keep changing and changing your design and fixing it until you're a real profession and you have a fee to, you have a schedule and fee to, to set it and you don't have that knowledge on how to actually work efficiently, operationally and profitably. So I think that that's like the biggest difference I would see from school and being in a profession. Yeah, I had a lot of interesting experiences in undergraduate that allowed me to see things from a lot of different perspectives. One was, I did landscape architecture for my undergraduate degree, and I interned at Arquitectonica Geo, the landscape division of Arquitectonica. And the office at the time was on the same floor, a small floor plate, but on the same floor as interiors, product which at that time was just a team of two this like product designer and a graphic designer who ended up doing a lot of the graphics for let's say the majority of work across different teams but in that experience what was great about it was this was a firm that had multiple lines of revenue coming in or like thought about projects from the beginning as like at multiple different scales so like for architectonica it's not just designing a building it's like selling the wallpaper and so they design wallpaper, they design furniture, they design all these other elements that having that purview within that one floor really allowed me to see like, oh, this is really interesting. Like this firm understands how to develop new lines of revenue to help strengthen the firm, you know, because it's a very residential heavy firm. And so in downtimes, they have a lot of other lines of revenue that they can rely on. So that was a really fascinating experience. And I also got to intern for... Admittedly, I was very much one of these people that, let's say, worked for free for some firms uh, <laughs> at the time, trying to cut my teeth on different types of projects. One firm that I got to work for actually ended up becoming a good friend, but that showed me more on the product design kind of experience. So again, it was like a really small, a really, really small office, basically one person operating a furniture line, but also operating like uh, different types of projects at different scales. 
And being able to see that experience sort of in the trenches of like all the mistakes that were being made was actually super eye-opening because we would always have conversations about how do we make the business better? Like, what can we do? How can we, you know, and all that being also, it was more like exciting at the time, being able to have those type of conversations with someone who's owning the firm and open to like trying new things. That was a really, um, actually in some respects, valuable for me formatively because of that. But that's not always the case, right? And I was doing that basically during school. So it's kind of a very different environment. But I think those experiences helped me to see the see sort of the reality of the industry before even going into it fully, because it was almost like I had two jobs or three jobs at a time, sometimes outside of school, working for very different people. But all those things helping to see kind of like, okay, this is re- the reality of the business ultimately. And this is the day-to-day. This is what it looks like. By the time I got to grad school, I think I had a really good perspective on that. And I don't know, there was like examples of that of like, what else could be done in architecture? And the grad school that I went to had a lot of different um, types of professors or working on like future crazy shit, synthetic biology, stuff like that. So it kind of really opened up the possibility of, oh, there's actually more to this that's possible. Now, that's kind of like outside of the industry in some sense, right? Or maybe to the very edge of it. But even within the industry, I think those other examples that I mentioned really helped to show me like, okay, there's there's something here. There's other people involved in this process, whether it's in business development or operations that are making this thing run. And having examples of leadership at Arquitectonica that were really amazing to me showed me actually there's other things at play here that that are maybe more even interesting than actually designing the building itself. I'm curious to see then what, from your perspective, Joanne, like what are the other opportunities or potential professions that you've seen along your trajectory? I know that you work a lot also, as, as uh, Sue was mentioning, on like personal branding, things like that. Like you've met a lot of different people that are working in different ways within the profession. Where are you seeing like, A lot of opportunity. I think in tech, probably, (laughs) there's a lot of AEC startups that I think would hire architects. And when I tell architects that they often don't really, (laughs) and they, I think oftentimes they get stuck in a mindset where you're an architect, you can only do architecture type of work like drafting, like designing, like, but it's, I think we have so many more skills that we can utilize in other settings. And I mean, we all, the three of us here all became a marketer, but I'm sure there there are just so many things. And I know a lot of architects that go into like UI, UX design, but when I tell them that, because a lot of people will come to me and ask for, advice on how to make a switch in their career and when I tell them that just look into some AEC startups because I think those those type of startups while they're a tech company some of them still need architects like if they're a startup doing let's say shipping container houses or or AB houses and they still need architects to design spaces. And they also need, even if you go into like UX design, I think when you have an architecture background, those type of startups would appreciate more. But oftentimes when I tell them that these type of startup would actually hire architects, they 
like some people are like, are you sure that they just like hire tech people? But I think one of the things is also being willing to learn something new. I love it because architects are so busy and at their full-time job, they're already so burned out. And they would come to me and say, is there anything that I can switch to without me learning anything new or getting a certificate or getting a new degree? And while it might be possible, I do think that if you do want to make that switch into a new profession, you do have to put in some work, learning something new, doesn't matter if it's UX or marketing or operations that a tech startup would appreciate. Just putting in a little bit of time to learn something new would, I think, be very helpful in the long run. Sylvia, what's your take on this? I like how Joanne was saying that, like, you know, architects do have so many skills. And I, I had a conversation with someone from school recently, like, can you make the jump easily? Like, and I, I feel like you almost can. Like, like, granted, you probably have to kind of show that you are a, a quick learner. But I feel like we learn so many programs like on the job that like, how can you get experience in every single program of so many years? I think it's very common to see memes about like, you need to have like 10 years experience or like a master's degree in architecture to get hired these days. And it's like, okay, well, like, how do I do that if I don't have the experience? So yeah, those opportunities to find are, I guess you got to like really just lean into what you're passionate about. And then just, we kind of touched about this in last week's roundtable. like find what you're passionate about, do it because you love it. And then like find the value in that and then show that to other people in some way. And I think that's where the marketing comes in. I don't think I intended to be a marketer, but it, I do see the importance of it now. Like if you build a building and you, no one knows about it, how does that help your firm? Or like if we make these events and we don't publicize them, how does that help the greater architecture community? So we should really give value to all the other professions that help make our overall industry work well and survive and prosper. I'm actually very excited for today's discussion because actually my friend and I have a small project that we are working on, interviewing people within the architecture and interior design industry. Initially, we were just trying to find out and talk to contractors, subcontractors, expediters, suppliers, and so forth to find out how we can work better. And we got so many great answers and advices that we never really thought of from all these different people from various industries at different stages of their careers. We met so many interesting people, or actually, we met the same people we used to meet on a weekly basis, but these people became sort of somebody to us after understanding and being exposed to a bunch of layers being added from sharing so many of their different background stories. Like we met a mill worker who I used to work with, came from Israel to travel and sightsee New York around the 1970s when he was in his 20s, stumbled at a mill workshop in midtown Manhattan and just sort of decided to move to New York for good or... A contractor who used to be a lieutenant in Israeli military sort of kind of used his skill set learned from military to construction, being able to manage operations, uh, working with different set of people around. around. And um, these things, uh, we never really talk about it 
in a professional setting, the only thing we used to discuss was when we would expect to see progression in construction work, supplementary documents we needed to provide, followed with occasional jokes and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. Like you will find multiple people. I mean, basically, I, th- I think we, we should all accept that careers are nonlinear today. I mean, I think the average tenure at a company right now is around two to three years. And so that is just the new normal. And if you look at it from that perspective and you're really thinking about what are the kind of meta skills that you should be learning that are applicable across various types of job types or opportunities, right? Like knowing Revit is really great, but knowing how Dynamo works might actually be more of a better skill than knowing how Revit works because the logic of like manipulating data is probably leverageable in other contexts than knowing the very specific way of how to use a, a certain tool. Because that tool could change, a whole new tool could come out, right? I mean, if, if you spend your whole career using Illustrator, you know, now Figma exists. Now some of those things are transferable, right? But it's it's another way of working and maybe collaboration is the thing that you got to like really work on next as a kind of meta skill. So I think, you know, that... Jasmine's, I mean, I thought it was fascinating that Jasmine's anecdote about the Israeli, you know, military person that came and then decided to apply their, the same knowledge and background that they had in logistics, probably, and all those things into construction, you know, just shows that people inherently are malleable. Now, I think what that also means is having, recognizing that too, that like you should have a growth oriented mindset when you're approaching things as opposed to maybe a, a mindset that could be more based on fear, right? Yeah. The fear of failure, the fear of not taking that, or maybe more conservative fear of like not of wanting to stay with the status quo because you think it's safer when in reality, nothing is safe. <laughs> I think it's also architects are extremely good at learning new things, especially software, because we're always learning. Like when I was in school, it was AutoCAD and then just kind of keep learning new technology. And that that's a great skill to show. I mean, it's hard to show that, but <laughs> just the fact that you can learn the software so quick is, I think, an extremely valuable skill. And also the fact that you can, as an architect, manage so many pieces of a building from your client to consultants to how a document is put together to your internal team there when it's a big project there are probably like 50 100 people (laughs) that you have to manage and like how do you communicate that to a different industry that don't know what an architect do right and I think learning how to communicate your skill set but not in like a very technical like oh I I can put together construction documents but someone in tag probably don't know what that means and learning how to say you know how to organize things you know how to manage a giant group of people and applying that in a different setting but also applying that in your own firm practice if you if you're not changing profession the fact that you can manage a construction project, a building design, means you have 
great operational and management skills. It's just that we're not applying it to the business and practice side of things. So something that I think about too is you could look at your role within a firm. Let's say you're uh, an architect or a designer and you look at it solely from like the assignments that have been given to you and you can stay in that world, right? Of like, oh, and obviously this is always a back and forth between the leadership of that company and like how you view your role. But if you view your role differently and you say, well, yes, I am a designer and yes, I have to do this type of work and I have to do this. But like, if you figure out ways in which to allocate time to just step back and think about the way that you're working and then suggest on improvements on like how to, it's basically like much more situational awareness about what you're doing in relation to the outcomes that you're trying to drive. If you can carve the, even just like that time for yourself, 30 minutes, an hour of that time a week, thinking about that, having like a document, a Google doc or something that you're kind of like keeping track of this, these things for yourself. There is a point in time where you can then package that up and make proposals, right? To the leadership on like how we can improve this. I assure you, this is like one of those surefire ways in which you can build for yourself an experience, maybe like a even managerial experience that can lead you to new opportunities within a business. If you only look at it from the role of like, oh, this is, I need to do these tasks, ABC, then you'll become over time frustrated because you feel that opportunities need to be given to you when often you need to take those opportunities or create those opportunities for yourself. Because the reality is that everyone is busy. And so it's almost like too busy for other people to manage your career for you. You have to be able to like take ownership of it for yourself. So even when we think about like, oh, the profession is so stressful and we're so overworked at, at the same time, there is a, a meta skill again, that needs to kind of be developed on like, how do you step back? And it could always be, as we said before, it's just not the right firm for you, right? It's not the right firm that opens those type of opportunities for you, allows you to even take that one hour to think about it or whatever, right? And so I think it's always important to kind of underscore like how in control you should also be about your career choices. I think the best career advice I've ever heard is treat your career like a business and really take control of it and give yourself goals where it's like, I know people always ask you, what's your five-year goal? And it's a little too big (laughs) of a goal. But if you give yourself a year goal and say this year, I'm going to switch my career to a different profession and kind of lay out all the steps, like the first thing you need to do is probably figure out which profession you're going to go into. And I get a lot of questions on my Instagram DM that people are just like, what advice would you give me? Like, I have no idea what profession I should go into. Can you just tell me what profession I should go into? I have no idea what, what industry yeah. or profession you should go into. Like a totally stranger on Instagram can't tell you that. You have That's... to do the work and look at all the possibilities. And, you know, like Google has great programs that you can take free if you want to go into tag they have all these UX like certificate or project management product management you can look into that you can look into so there's so many free resources now right online that it's like if, if you just have no idea where you can go just look at all the different possibilities and figure out a path and there's like no right or wrong path it's like 
if I let's say I want to go into marketing, if I try it for six months and I hate it, and <laughs> just listen to marketing podcasts, and if I, if I hate it, then I can switch to a different focus and try to learn about that too. But I, I think you're right that that you have to take control of your career and try new things yourself instead of asking a stranger like me <laughs> what, what such, direction you should go <laughs> such a huge burden to put on you too it's so it's like hey take control over my life here please i'd like to add to that if you're looking for some, a direction for yourself to kind of like chase what excites you like it's what you're passionate about but i find that like the opportunities that i jumped at were like those that would keep me up at night in an excited way, not like in a stressful way. And I would take on opportunities um, in my previous firm outside of my projects just because I was interested in them. And then I started creating events at work or like joining committees that the work I did didn't tire me out. I was looking forward to doing that kind of work. And then when this opportunity monograph came, I felt the same way. Like at the end of the day, I didn't mind doing more work on it. So I think that's a good way to find your own path don't look at other people because if you see what they're doing and then if you feel you have to do the same thing, it won't align with you and it'll just cause you stress. So chase what makes you happy. I think that's a pretty good life advice for 2022. That's such an awesome way to end the conversation too. (laughs) Thanks everyone for joining us today. We'll have a conversation about making money moves next week. Yeah, that's right. So uh, look forward to that. Feel free to follow us on any of the social channels. If you haven't yet, sign up to our newsletter. Join our community, community community.monograph.com. From the three of us here, thank you so much. Hey, it's Sylvia from Monograph. Thank you so much for joining us here. At Monograph, we're building the number one practice operations platform for small to mid-sized architecture firms. Monograph is designed for architects by architects. Over 450 practices are using Monograph today to run the business side of architecture. You can start a free trial or sign up for a demo today at monograph.com. Find out what a practice operations platform like Monograph can do for your firm. Get started at monograph.com. Talk to you soon.